Hey everyone, welcome to Black, Married, and in the Military, a podcast that explores unique experiences, challenges, and even triumphs of military life. I'm Teresa Alexis, known as the Military Bride Strategist, and I'm your host. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me today. Today I have with me Althea Williams. She is a retired Army veteran, wife, mom of five, grandma, and is the CEO of She Vets It, the spot where women from all branches of the military come together in a safe space to connect, converse, and collaborate. She is going to be talking to us today about building a community of women veterans and why that's important. And we'll also start to discuss marriage and what that looks like in the military. So everyone help me welcome Althea Williams. Hello, thank you so much for having me here. Awesome, so I want you to talk a little bit about just starting out, why building a community of you know, women veterans is important. Wow, because women veterans, we are like no other are the challenges that we have, oh my goodness, we, you know, you need that camaraderie because how many women you know that were uh, actually licensed to kill, (laughs) you know, like was trained to kill and probably been to combat and then you come back home and then you're meeting up with your friends, you know, (laughs) you're like, okay, you're a different person, you have different experiences. And I know that kind of sounds a little but I mean, it is a reality. We all experience things. I went to Afghanistan and lost two aircrafts of, of people that I worked with. And so that is, was so important for me to build a community of women that um, could connect with each other if we had challenges in various areas of our lives, finance, marriage, or whatever. And so that's why it was um, very important to me to to bring these uh, women together. And I always say within this community, everyone don't have to be your best friend within this community, but you will find that one person or maybe several people that you just gel with and you really, really, they get you, uh, you know, on a personal level. So that is my goal is so that people can find their tribe within She Vets It. And you know, I I love She Vets It. I am so grateful that I found this community because I know for me, I spend a lot of time feeling alone because I'm usually either the only female veteran in any circle because my husband's a vet too. So, you know, I'm usually the only female. Everybody else is, there's females there, but they're spouses. So it's not the same mindset. They won't kind of get the lingo and anything else. And, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean to them. It's just like, okay, I can't talk to you about my issues because it's going to freak you out. Because if your husband isn't really telling you, I'm not about to tell you and freak you out too. So it's one of those things like finding your place, finding something that's for me, because that group I just talked about is something for my husband. So He's in combat vets. I'm not a combat vet, but I did all types of different things that I think were great. But most of the veterans in that, it's a motorcycle organization. So most of the people are guys. 
you know, every now and then we'll go somewhere. I'll see one or two female combat vets. And I'm like always excited because it usually becomes like a, a guys club, you know, almost. But for me, it was important for me to find something that was just for me, that was full of women vets that had a similar mindset, similar experiences, combat and non-combat. And, you know, just kind of find like a home for me, if that makes sense. Oh, I definitely agree. Because um, what I noticed is that before I started She Vets It, what I noticed is when I was with women, other women veterans, or I met someone that was a veteran, like we automatically gelled. Like it was like, I didn't have to explain myself like, oh, you're a veteran, I'm a veteran. So there was some things that went without, like I didn't have to like share my story, but I probably guarantee you that they probably experienced the same thing that I experienced. And we just so related, unlike, you know, maybe my civilian friends and I love my civilian friends because they are so good for me in so many other uh, capacities. But my veteran um, friends, you know, if I did run into any issues, I was able to talk to them without having an issue. So if I want to talk about my mental health issues, you know, PTSD or anxiety or whatever those issues were, most likely they probably experienced it too. And so now I don't really have to feel all uh, weird about it. And so I have a, a good friend that joined the military before I did, and she was going through some some challenges and I did not understand it. I did not understand it because I wasn't in the military and I joined at a later age. Um, you know, I was turning 39. My friend joined when she was 18. So when I was seeing her having challenges, I did not know how to support her. I didn't understand it. And matter of fact, it kind of, I was like, uh, you know, the fear of the unknown, you just really just want to step back from it because you don't know, you don't want to like make things worse or whatever. So once I joined and then I had my own challenges, you know, from being in combat, then I was like, oh my goodness, I get it. Me and her are like tighter than ever. It's like, I'm able to be there for her. Like I couldn't be there for her before. So I was able, I'm able to see the difference of when I wasn't a, a veteran um, and could see the challenges of a veteran, but didn't understand it. But now me being a veteran and had my same, same similar challenges as she may have, um, I'm like, oh my gosh, I so get it. And I'm willing to be there and I'm not fearful of whatever those challenges are because I myself have those challenges. Right. And it's interesting that you say that because I used to, I used to wonder why civilian friendships were so hard. Now I'm not talking about the civilians that are military spouses. Those weren't difficult because they had some kind of insight, but people who had zero like military affiliation, I used to wonder why it was so difficult for them to kind of be my friends. And I think it was a part of what you said. They couldn't relate. They didn't know how to help me. And maybe it was just a little bit of intimidation. So I, it's, it's just interesting because that, that definitely makes me think like, oh yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe that's what it was back or is, <laughs> you know, as far as 
making those connections with non-military affiliated people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's why I was saying I, I was about to get out the military and I got hurt. And when I got hurt, I experienced a traumatic brain injury. Uh, I was dealing with PTSD, all the different things that came with my military, my military package. <laughs> so I um, actually was with a group of ladies and it was like for eight weeks and oh my goodness, we shared, we talked about our traumas. We talked about all the things that was impacting us um, just being able to live healthy lives, you know? So we were just, we went eight weeks sharing these stories and um, figuring out how we could be better, you know, at, um, you know, live better lives outside, inside and outside of the military. And we just built such a great, great camaraderie that I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm about to get out in six months. I need this to continue. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to need this when I get out. There's no way I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to meet my tribe. You know, I need to make my tribe. So I went ahead and started a meetup group and I only had 15. It was only 15 of us. And I remember um, the day that I received my DD-214, this actor in Hollywood contacted me and asked if, um, well, his media consultant contacted me and asked if I would um, attend a taping of, uh, what is it, uh, ABC, uh, a live taping of ABC at the Kennedy Center. And I was like, oh my gosh, I only have 15 people. I'm just trying to meet up with people, you know, meet with a small group. We go to the movies every once in a while, build friendships. That's, that's all I was trying to do. And so then I was thinking, you know what, this is something might, you know, maybe God trying to tell me something. Then PBS contacted me, then somebody else contacted me. So before long, I knew that this was something was supposed to be something I was supposed to be doing. And I just said, okay, I'm just gonna keep going. So this was in 2000 and I started the idea 2017, 2018, I implemented it and then um, been doing it ever since. And then I jumped on Clubhouse and I started to become more live. So now I'm just more visible. Before I was just doing a lot of things behind the scenes, but just sharing resources, um, resources that will help women veterans. Um, and that was it. But now I talk to, you know, different um, people about uh, resources and um, talk about mental health uh, issues and topics and different things that are helpful to veteran women. And, you know, I, I love that for so many reasons. But the main reason is there is a difference, no matter how people try to make it the same, of when a woman vet gets out and a uh, man vet or male that gets out because just in I think it was a year apart from when me and my husband got out I got out under different circumstances I mean it was honorable and honorable discharge you know but the reason I got out was different than his Mm -hmm. and I literally had to fight Mm -hmm. almost to my last dying mental breath to get a rating to be seen at the VA hospital, everything I have, plus the stuff I'm still trying to get, I have to fight for. And when my husband walks in, it's just like red carpet events. For him, he's never had to fight for anything. 
you know, anytime he goes up there and same VA, same doctors, anytime he goes up there, says what he needs or wants, he gets it. And like, for me, that's not like my experience at all. And I'm not saying this is every woman vet, but the women vets that I've talked to has had a similar, you know, outcome. It's like, I got to fight just walking in there. Like they don't acknowledge that I've served, although they can see that I'm a service member. They're treating me like I'm nobody. So it's, it's really an issue. <laughs> it's a huge issue. And honestly, my husband couldn't even understand that. It wasn't until he went to the VA with me because I was like, okay, I, I challenged him. I was like, it sounds made up, but I was like, I promise you can't make this stuff up. Because at one point I was 0%, which like nearly snatched my heart out of my chest that they would give me zero considering everything <laughs> my body was going through and my mind. He went in there. I was like, they're not going to see me because they saying they're saying I need to be 10% or higher, which is not true, by the way. But I was like, they're denying me. So I called the VA on the phone while I'm standing in the VA. And the VA on the phone is saying I can be seen. But the people at the front desk is like, no. And my husband was there. Really? My husband was there. And I was like, I told you, they're not going to see me. And the lady was like, you have to be 10% or higher. I was like, that is not even in like the policy. I've read the stuff online. I was like, and I'm talking to them, you know, and I, it wasn't, I had to hand the lady the phone so she could talk to the VA on the phone before they made me an appointment. That's a crazy story, but it's like for real. Someone just told me that um, you Every military person is eligible to at least go to see a mental health uh, therapist there. It doesn't matter what their percentage is. We are all eligible. There is a bill or something that went took place. I don't have the, I don't have it right here and I should have probably had it with me, but um, we are eligible to be able to see mental health, uh, mental health or uh, therapists. So that's something to definitely look into. Okay. Well, obviously they fixed my stuff because I mean, I had to keep fighting. I had to keep going there. I had to actually show up. I had to switch VAs also too, which is crazy. One was an hour away. Mm -hmm. I had to go to the one that was two hours away for them to increase me from zero. <laughs> it is crazy. So, and I went to a town hall um, and the thing I was thankful for there, every single person in there, with the exception of the the assistant director and um, the guy over the town hall, were veterans. And mm -hmm. I went in there and I expressed my my everything <laughs> and told them basically what was happening. And I'm like, I'm basically falling apart walking in here, and mm -hmm. they're gonna tell me I'm zero. Wow, wow. you know. They, they did fix it. They did look into some stuff. Now, what they didn't do was fix all of my things, because I know you've heard this where you are getting out of the military, you mm -hmm. submit your package for e-benefits and all this. Mm -hmm. But what they don't tell you is the amount of paperwork that is lost. And mine was one of them. It wasn't lost once. It was lost like two times. Yeah. So 
I had to actually go through the process three times because they didn't fix my stuff. They didn't find my paperwork ever. And who knows? I may be dead and gone before they find it, or maybe it'll be never. But it is just a crazy thing. And, you know, my husband is starting to understand, but it took him going down there to witness them denying me access to what I rated for him to be like, oh, this is for real. Like, you're serious. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't play the woe is me card. I, I really come in here to do what I have to do to get myself seen, to get myself taken care of. You can't make this stuff up. And it's not just happening to me. I'm just probably one of the louder ones that's willing to say something. Yes, definitely. Um, wow. I, it's, it, I kind of went out a little differently because I got hurt while I was in the military. So it was like, you know, I was in a German hospital. So then eventually they had to transfer me to Walter Reed. Um, and so a lot of my things, you know, you can't kind of contest it because it happened while I was in and, you know, there's like really uh, the information's there, but it's, it's so hard. I know it's so hard for other people um, to kind of like you yourself where you're letting them know, hey, I have things going on. And so I would always tell people to make sure you keep your records. Cause even with me, with them having the information, as soon as I leave the X-ray, MRI, wherever I go, I get a copy. Like, I'm like, okay, when will the X-ray be finished or when will the MRI be finished? And so once that's finished, once that's, once that's finished, um, then I will, then I'll um, just kind of go over there, get it and then take it, you know, take it home, store it in the safe or wherever. So I will always recommend people to, to do that. Hey, BMM listeners, I want to tell you about this amazing event coming up called Military Marriage Fest, a virtual summit that will guide military couples on how to cultivate thriving relationships. This festival is a celebration of all military marriage dynamics and sheds light on the beauty and challenges of military life. This year's theme is celebration and cultivation. Learn to cultivate a marriage that thrives in the face of adversity and have fun while doing so. Join me, dynamic speakers, and other military couples for an amazing event built just for military marriages. To register, go to www.militarymarriagefest.com. That's www.militarymarriagefest.com. I learned that the hard way while I was in service and um, because there was something, it, it gets me how they lose paperwork. It's almost crazy. But yeah, like in my early days in the military, I learned that the hard way because, you know, it kind of becomes your word against theirs. So mm-hmm. I started to keep everything, including like, my even my eyeglass prescriptions I would keep everything yes. and um you know just kind of switching over to the marriage part that was one of the things um as far as you know me fighting the VA and my husband just kind of getting a an all-access pass that was one of the things that put like a strain on our marriage a little bit because he thought I was just maybe complaining or maybe just not fighting it as hard as I should be which is crazy that he would think that because it's like way outside of my 
character. I fight everything. If mm-hmm. it's unfair, if it's against policy or the order, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. My juniors are not doing it. We're not doing that. I will give a lot of pushback. But when it came to the VA, like it was exhausting, like mentally and emotionally exhausting. And so for a while, I was just like, I just can't do this no more. Yeah. Do yeah. this. And um, which I don't really say that a lot. But at that point, I was just like, I'm so tired. I just, I don't know. And, you know, he, he was just, it was just tension there. And it was something we actually had to work through to make our marriage better because he was just, he was frustrated with me being frustrated about that. So and that happens. So that was why you're still in the military, while you're out, out, out of the military. Yes. That's why I was out. He was still in at this time. Okay. Because there's definitely those challenges that while you're in the, um, in the marriage, uh, in the military um, being married, that people are just don't, oh my gosh, don't really get. It's a lot tougher. And, and I found an interesting uh, fact is that women, female soldiers, uh, tr- the percentage of divorces are tripled that of the male counterpart. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I was just wondering why is that? Cause you know, the males, they, you know there's a, a percentage where they, um, you know they get divorced but women are more than likely to get a divorce. And I would love to dive deeper into finding out why that is a problem. But I do definitely, for myself, my husband was not in the military. And so what I do know with him is that, um, you know, what is it? The, the women's, the, 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 the spouse support group. I forgot the military, uh, military spouse support group. Yes. um, Yes. So you, you see a lot of the women organizing and doing things together, but you hardly ever, I, I don't think I ever heard of the males doing that. I don't. I never heard of the, the spouses, the male spouses having the same support, and even if the men were welcome to the male spouse support group, um, men probably were less likely to probably attend any of those functions, especially when the spouse the spouses are deployed. <laughs> you know, right. the husband's probably not going to go to an all women's group. You know. <laughs> Yeah. So it, it's, there's some, you know, there's challenges in that. Also, you know, the challenges to come from when you're a spouse, whether you're male or female, the spouse, it's harder for them to find jobs. You know, them being able to find a job when you're relocating every two or three years, um, you know, both, both the soldier and yourself lose your identity. I'm just learning. I've been out for three years and I'm just starting to do something different with my hair. I threw some nails on just, it's only been the last six months. I've been doing some, trying to do something different because if you always see, I have a ponytail because it's always a safe, you know, I'm like so used to putting in a ponytail. That was like my safe. Yeah. So I was like, I had to be more out, started to be more intentional about my look and how, who I was and trying to find out who I was as an individual. What do you like to do? What are your hobbies? And those are things that I lost because for us, the military, even with our families, the military became priority. 
right over everything like you know everything that we do it became priority so that was just something that um i thought was very um important and like communication because even with me and my spouse we had our challenges when i was overseas and or just in general being in the military my experience overseas, I didn't communicate those experiences of losing people and all the things I experienced when I was in Afghanistan. And it did have a strain on my marriage. So I really, really, really think that communication and um, on both ends, you know, I, I really think that just how they prepare us when we go to, when we're about to go to war, you know how you take those little classes and you, you gotta prep before you go to theater. Well, the family needs, you know, needs that same support um, there and they need the support when we're coming, when we come back, the family needs the same support. Like, how do you, how am I to interact with this spouse that just came back from combat? Because we don't know what, I don't know what my husband or my wife have experienced. So how do I communicate with them so that they can communicate with me so that they could feel like this is a safe space for me to share something that could have took place while they were overseas and I have no idea. So I wanna be able to be of support to them. So those are some of the challenges that I think, cause that was a challenge for, for, for me cause it was, it was after five years that I shared my experiences. And that was only after my accident and I had to be um, driven to my therapy. Um, and so I'm like, okay, you might as well just come in with me. <laughs> and so then it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, oh, that happened. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. So that's why I would say communication is definitely one of those issues. If the lack of is one of those things that really impact marriages in the military. Yeah, and um, also, there's several things you said that I want to touch on. That last thing, yeah, your spouse and yourself, you're like a book. And it you, you can't give each other too much at one time because you're going to skim over something that's very important. Yeah. So like reading a book page by page, chapter by chapter, it's like that in learning who your spouse is and even learning who yourself is. Um, so you have to be patient and you have to be willing to do that because if you just want all the information up front, that's probably not going to go well. And they're not going to remember everything, yeah. you know, so it's going to be an unfolding of things that happen that, cause there's also triggers. So yeah. there's going to be, it's going to come in waves and you have to prepare yourself for that both physically and mentally. And there's things that are just hard that maybe they probably won't be able to share with you because they're so traumatic. That's something that needs to be with a therapist, yes. a coach or something like that. And you have to respect that. It's not um, keeping secrets. It's just that, okay, this, this is something that's going to be too heavy for you. Mm -hmm. This person is trained for that. So like even with me and my husband, there's stuff in his current job he does now, which is very much like military life. You know, he, he knows mentally there's some things I'm sensitive to when it comes to kids and like people dying in a certain way. He can't share that with me. Like he'll communicate to me, hey, you know, 
I got therapy on this day or I got an appointment, you know, whatever. But we have had that. It goes back to communication. Like you said, he knows, okay, I'm sensitive, sensitive to those things. I've already told him that. So he's not gonna share those with me because he know like, man, that's gonna mess me up a little bit for probably a few days. So he's not gonna tell me those things. He's just gonna be like, man, work was crazy, you know? Or he's going to say whatever our code word is. And I'm going to know, okay, I don't need to ask no questions because I don't want to know. Even if deep down inside, I want to know, I don't need to know because mentally I can't process it. Yeah. Oh, you can process it, but you just have a reaction to processing it. Yeah. Like I'm over here in my feelings for like three hours and he's like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, okay, I was a little sensitive to the information you shared. Mm-hmm. yeah you can't share stuff like that with me you know and we have to have that conversation and be okay he can talk to me about anything else other mm-hmm. than like the things I've said I'm sensitive to same with him I have to respect I can talk to him about anything other than those areas he's told me he may be you know sensitive to so mm-hmm. it's about communication and it's about respecting each other's I guess boundaries and mm-hmm. you know what we can handle at the time. Also, you talked about um, men being in that role of military spouse. So one thing I've learned about men, I don't claim to be an expert on men, but I have researched and observed human behavior and men probably not gonna go to the all women military spouse events for several reasons. One is perception. So men are more likely to go around other men. They're more likely to do that because they can relate to masculine things that they may be going through or concerned with. Mm -hmm. And a perception of men hanging out with women, they don't want that. Especially when they are good, godly, faithful men. They just like, I'm not even going to put myself in that position. I know you said I can come, but I'm not going to come because of that. You know, and- Mm-hmm. right even more reason for me to stay home and find someone else <laughs> that may be like my homeboy you know to hang out with and yeah. all the stuff I learned from my husband and my other friends who are veterans the guys you know because we we hang with them too so I've learned this for them and perception is the biggest one number two they need the same thing we need they need um community that's relatable and they're just not going to find that in a bunch of women. And it's even though the situations may mirror each other or the circumstances may be similar, they're like, nah, I need a dude's perspective, you know? And when they want a woman's perspective, maybe they'll like show up to a virtual thing, but that's the most I've seen them do. Um, there is this guy though, I, I heard of, I think his, I think he's like Mr. Military Wife or something like that, but he's probably the only one I've seen that's out there like that and present, you know, basically making himself available to other or the rare kind he calls them of military spouses, which are the men that don't serve or are not serving, which is funny because he is a veteran. That's kind of funny. He's a veteran and then he ended up in that military spouse role. But um, also, I wanted to talk about identity. I know a lot of military spouses, both male and female, 
struggle there. But I like that you touched on the fact that us people in uniform also struggle with identity just in a different way. The military becomes us because it's ingrained in us. We are told this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. This is what the priority is. So we're always being told what to do. We always, huh? No dress. (laughs) Right. What to wear, what not to wear, how, you know, all these regulations and stuff. And so when we get out, it's hard for us to come to terms with like who we may be us outside of that rank, that uniform, those dog tags, that, that I guess covering or bubble that the military kind of have. So, and I've seen that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. I did struggle with that, but I don't, I, the only reason I think mine wasn't as bad is because I've had to fight basically for my identity, my entire life from childhood all the way through to now really so but I did struggle with it it's like okay I'm not giving people orders now I'm not in uniform and stuff now it's like okay who am I who am I now what do I like to do because you you the stuff you come into the military liking and wanting to do you really don't have time all the time so it it kind of fades away or dies completely you know, and so when you get out, yeah, you're finding yourself. You're trying to learn yourself again. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, when you talk about identity, we, you know, we're usually, you know, in uniform, I feel like we're kind of almost institutionalized. So, you know, getting out, you're just like, okay, I'm free. What do I do now? And so just learning who you are, you're trying to figure out, okay, what is my future like now outside of the military? What kind of job you like? Your whole life is, you have to redefine who you are. Now there's natural stages and where you're going to change, you're going to change throughout the life. There's different stages that you're going to go through over the years. Um, whether you're in uniform or outside of the military, but in the military, getting out the military is very, very defined that you're making a big life change and it can be stressful and it can also be scary. So um, I, like I said, I had to go to counseling. I still go to counseling. I see my counselor every week. I'm not ashamed to say that. I talk to my counselor about changes and things that even when she vets it, like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, the, this, you know, me having a TBI and, and re, um, getting out there again and, and the new me having a different ability, um, um, I had to redefine myself. So sometimes just getting out the military could be stressful. But then when you get out the military and you're now disabled, in some capacity that makes it even more challenging. And it's just challenging overall, just for women, just, and so it, it, it does, it requires, for me, it requires a lot of faith. And I always tell people to, you know, just trust the process, trust God and, and, and figure out what you want to do. Cause it's a good, it's, it's a opportunity to redefine yourself. I know I wanted to get my PhD and I want to do this and I want to do that. But when I experienced a traumatic brain injury, that kind of, 
I had to put a pause on it. I had to assess my abilities and what I'm able to tolerate and do. And so, um, and then I had to kind of like get readjusted with my family, find out, you know, what are the needs of my family? I'm not in the military anymore. Get reconnected with my family. Because when I was in the military, I didn't talk to my family as much. You know, I even went through a change where I didn't talk to my extended family um, much because after losing so many people, I felt like I would, um, um, if I was too close and something happened, it would just hurt me. So I distanced myself from a lot of people. So now that I'm out, it's really allowed me to take steps to reconnect with the outside world, my family. I, I visit them a little more. You know, I, you know, I visit my brother, my sister, my mom a little more than I did before. So getting out the military has really helped me re reconnect um, slowly but surely, and then building she vets it really, really have helped me because I had so many rooms that we talk about different things with a licensed a psychologist or a mental health therapist that I've, that I've learned so much. So it's not even just about benefiting, you know, everybody else, but it's benefiting me. Like, I promise you, like, it has been so helpful to me because she vets it is not about me. It's about the people that are in She Vets It, the people that come, that contribute their time to the rooms that make She Vets It what it is. Like I said, I am also, um, there's a commercial, it's like, not only am I the, the owner, a founder, but I'm also a client. <laughs> so that's how I feel with She Vets It. Like, I'm like, it's because there's always new amazing people that step on the scene and do amazing things. So that's what She Vets is about, is really building a community of women that are just, that have each other's back. And that's what I love about it. You know, we have each other's back. Most of us have never met, some of us have met, but the the love that everyone have for, um, for each other in the community, I'm just so appreciative for what they add to She Vets It. And it keeps that battle buddy mentality going that we all need because I, I, I am thankful that the military implemented that mindset. Yes. It don't matter where you from, what you look like, none of that matters. What matters is that if you get in a fight, you get in a jam, your battle buddy better have your back. Y'all have to have each other's back. And yeah. I don't know if they thought about big picture when they did that. I think they may have just been thinking about like war, but big picture is that helps you in so many ways. It crosses barriers that wouldn't usually been, be crossed outside of something like the military. And when you get out, it helps you to have such a bigger, like, and different perspective. And it just opens a lot of doors to a lot of different friendships, to a lot of different, like even business relationships. So I love that. Yes, thank you. And you know what, that's why, you know, I'm a woman of faith too. So I, when I would say when God gave me this vision about She Vets It and what to do, um, it was so important for me to have a woman's veterans community that was not just about one group, 
but all women, because I knew some of the closest friends that I have, ooh, this is gonna make me teary-eyed. Some of the closest friends that I have that I know that we would never ever been friends had we not been in the military because we're so different. We come from such a different background that had we not been stationed together in Germany or here, there, where we were forced to have to build this bond where we're on this military base for three years together. And your family is, a, is in the States. My family's in the States. We're having Thanksgiving together. And, and you're in this, you're from West Virginia. I'm from California. You know, <laughs> we are totally, did we, you're like how many years apart from me? And so I just have some genuine friends that don't look like me, that have my back. Um, I have a, I call her my best friend, my military best friend, and that's Sayui. And look, Sayui, me and her are from different backgrounds. She was younger, I was older, and I never thought me and her would be close friends, but we were battle buddies. We shared the same room throughout war. We worked in the same office, and she is like my sister. She is like family today. And so that's why it's so important for me is that diversity in Shivetsit is so important to me um, because I know some of my battle buddies that I know that when if I was in a fight in Afghanistan, I know that they would have my back. And it didn't matter what my background, it didn't matter if I was African-American or not, but that was my, that's my, my friend. We got each other's back in uniform and outside of uniform. She could call me anytime. She could call me anytime. If I need to fly out there, I would be there or vice versa. So um, that's why for me, diversity and she vets is so, so important because the military definitely created a space where you build com camaraderie with people you would never have. And some people have those experiences where they weren't able to, but for me, it I was able to build great um, uh, friendships and especially in Germany, it's like no other. Right, and that's that's so amazing. And I, I love that, I really do, because friendships are important, especially when you navigating the military, when you're trying to navigate this space, to getting out and transitioning and when you're actually on the other side. You know, one thing I tell, I used to tell my Marines this all the time and the ones I still talk to, I still harp on this, you know, nurture your friendships, nurture yeah. them. It don't matter if you still in and they out, nurture those friendships because you're going to need each other because the military is going to be the thing that doesn't like stay. Eventually, whether you do 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you're going to get out. Yes, yes. You're going to get out and you're going to need that support. So don't don't just let friendships die. Don't no. let them don't just let them die. Put in the work because they're important. As important as it is for you and your spouse to be friends, it's mm -hmm. still important for you to have those other friends too. I love my husband, but I cannot be his only friend and he can't be my only friend. Because yes. one, I'm not a dude and he not a girl. So or a lady. So there's going to be stuff that I just, he not going to get. I can talk to him, but he ain't going to get that at all and vice versa. And, and you know, one thing too is that in the, in the military, well, the military community, women veterans are the fastest growing um, uh, segment of the homeless population for veterans. And not only that, but I don't have the numbers on, on the suicide rate, but those are reasons why we need to stay connected 
because it's a lot of a, a lot of our um, women veterans or sisters in arms that are homeless and you have no idea. Um, I know a couple of people that said, yes, one of my friends committed suicide and she just wished she was there for her. And so that's why I was thinking when we built these communities with um, each other, that we find our, we find our tribe within the community, community. And you, you know, make lasting friendships that, um, you know, when you're going through tough times, or even if you're going, I know someone who's like, I need to find a job and whatever. I have one, the, I know someone who was looking for a job because she's trying to transition. And then another one, she just came in, filling the gap. She's been giving her information. I've been giving her information. And she, I mean, I've been loading her. She, um, my other other um, lady from SheVets has been loading her with information. That's what SheVets is all about. I've had women, people call, contact me and say, hey, I'm homeless and I need to figure out how I can do X, Y, and Z. And hey, on my website, um, SheVets.com, I have resources. So if you ever, you know, want to find out resources on homelessness, finance, or anything, um, I have some information on there. I, I want to kind of create a little more extensive list. But right now, there are some um, key uh, resources that are on the webpage. Awesome. And I just love She Vets It. I also love God too, and I cannot wait to see what he does with your organization and how I can support that. So to, uh, well, let me back up. I want you to tell everybody how they can stay connected to you on social platforms or your website. Just go ahead and tell them how they can stay connected. So we are on Clubhouse. You, uh, you actually, you can find the link in my bio which is she, she vets it um, on Instagram. So Instagram, you go into my uh, link tree that's in the bio and that will show you how to join she vets it. And then also I'm at uh, she vets it.com and you can also um, join the club that way. And if you actually have a a skill set or expertise in your expert expert in a certain area, you can also fill out the guest request and let us know what your background is. If you'd like to jump on the live, if you want to uh, join us in a room in Clubhouse, let us know. You can you're feel free to you know start a room. Um, if you want to share your background with uh, the women community, something as long as it's you know relative to women veterans and it's going to be helpful. Definitely um, love to um, connect with um, anyone who's interested. But yeah, check out our, our, our webpage and you'll be able to find some um, interesting um, information, helpful. And we're also on Facebook as well. And feel free if you have any information that will be helpful to veterans, you feel free to um, add it to the page and I can approve it as long as it's um, relative to the veteran community. Awesome. So before we get out of here, there are two things because Althea touched on a lot of awesome things, but there's two things that I actually want to point out that you can learn from this podcast and take with you on your journey. Number one is community is detrimental to your overall health. That's mental, that's physical, that's emotional. I don't know how many times I've had my female veteran friends help me out and keep me accountable with working out. We're like friends on our Apple Watch and we track each other and keep each other accountable to stay healthy, stay active. 
Um, so that's just an aspect of it. And also, you know, when you have something mentally going on, just talking to them about it, they're able to lift you up, pray for you. Cause that's big for me. And for all of us who are, um, people of faith. So that's important. And number two, communication should always be at the forefront. It shouldn't be an afterthought because I say this all the time and I'm going to say it until everybody in the whole entire world gets it. Communication is the foundation of everything, especially relationships. You can't have a real relationship that's marriage, that's friendship, that's anything without the communication piece. It's not going to last very long. So it needs to be at the forefront. So thank you all for tuning in to this episode and thank you all for listening. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you. If you're interested in finding out more about me, the number one military marriage, family, and relationship coach, you can go to www.teresaalexis.com or connect with me on social at Teresa Alexis Speaks on IG, Facebook, and TikTok and T Alexis Speaks on Clubhouse and Twitter. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe and activate notifications so you don't miss out on any new episodes that go live. I'm excited going forward by how this podcast will impact your life and cultivate a better you and a better marriage and family dynamic. Now go forth and be awesome.